Pats from the Past podcast. Matt Smith along with Brian Morey. Pleased to be guests with former Patriots linebacker Rob Nikovich. Um, Rob, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Excited to, We're excited to be have on you. the past, Pats. Makes me feel old. Yeah, <laughs> 35. I'm, I'm a 35-year-old old, old fart. So before we start going through war stories, uh, Rob, why don't we catch fans up on what is Rob Ninkovich doing these days? And my guess is many Patriot fans are watching you. Yeah. They know what you're yeah, doing. Yeah. You get to tune in on the worldwide leader, ESPN. I'm doing NFL Live. I do some Sports Center. Um, this is my first year doing that. Doing the preseason stuff, obviously. You've seen me doing the, the Patriots preseason game, which, which is fun. It's more of the color side of things. Um, I have three children. I just had another boy with three or four months now. So that's like a really challenge. I think two kids was easy. Three kids is like, whoa, like three kids is hard. It's not easy because you're full zone. And I got two kids most of the time because my wife has the baby, but it's fun. I'm enjoying it. So um, three kids, ESPN. Um, I have a car hobby, so I I like to build and buy old cars, and it's fun. That's I have nice. a '65 Corvette. It's wow. beautiful. Twenty nine thousand nice. twenty nine thousand original miles. Three, wow. Three twenty seven, three fifty horse. That's a beautiful car. Um, I have a '79 F one fifty, which is a beautiful car. I have a '69 Buick Skylark, which is a resto mod, so it's going to be a new modern powertrain, new brakes, stop on a dime. Good suspension. It's going to be beautiful. That's that's like my fun, fun rip around car, and then uh, just a work car every how about, day. How about to fill your uh, your sports need? What are you doing? Playing uh, any sports? Well, I climbed Kilimanjaro, so nice. I climbed a mountain in Africa with Chris Long. Um, that was really terrible. It was really hard. I went to uh, the supply place where I was trying to get all my stuff, and the guy asked me like, "So, have you done any?" trails you've been practicing getting yourself ready i said i haven't slept outside i haven't done any hiking in my life and he's like and you're gonna go climb the tallest mountain in africa i said yeah why not it can't kill me he's like well it, <laughs> it could. technically Probably could <laughs> could kill you um so that was cool you know and then they have like black bombas and you know things that can kill you there that can bite you so it was interesting. I probably won't ever do that again, but it was for charity. It was for Chris Long, the, the Water Boys Foundation. Yeah. Um, so it was all all good. And for the sports thing, I do bowling. I'm in an old man's bowling league Tuesdays, North Bowl, North Attleboro. You know, slinging the bowling ball around, having a few brewskis. Not Teddy, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, so it's fun. I'm, I'm enjoying my post-career. I do miss playing football. I mean, I watch the game and – there's some guys I'm like, how I can play better than that guy right now. But that's I think I think any football player says that, especially when you're mid thirties and there's some guys that are playing at 35. So Matt, hold on one second. He he also plays softball and I have a little Oh, I play report. softball too, yeah. Right. I have a little scouting report. Forgot about that. Okay, so I hear he can you can still run. Oh, I have, that's, I'm that's flying. Play center field. Yes. He's got a gun for an arm. <laughs> I got can. O- overthrown home plate from center field several times <laughs> yes. and hit a stone building behind the backstop. Yes, I did. In the air. Yeah. So here's his bowling. He also bowls during the winter and he sucked the first few weeks. <laughs> so yeah. he went out and bought a new bowling ball. Yes, I did. And I'm supposed to ask you how many hot dogs you eat after softball games. Uh which I, Logan Mankins is your teammate. Logan Logan makes the hot dog look like a little tiny like uh, one of those hors d'oeuvre hot dogs, hot dogs. Hot dogs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. with the toothpick in it cuz his hands are so big. Uh so yeah, I, I uh, love the softball. I love just I want someone to try and go home. Like if they're on third, I just 
pop fly, please try and go home because most of those guys can't run. So I'm trying to just throw a dead rope right to the home plate. Um, almost throw my elbow out. But, yeah, it's, I like playing softball, and I do enjoy a nice grilled hot dog after we run around and maybe – a cold beverage. Well, I'm going to throw somebody under the bus because that scouting report comes from Mike Periello. So you oh, Mike. <laughs> I know, Mike. So, yeah, I like doing the bowling. The bowling, I was not very good, so I blamed it on the the alley ball, the, the used, chunked out uh, bowling alley ball, which I felt was causing my bowling to struggle. So I went and I bought one. And got the holes all done up, and it's a straight ball now. I'm not, I'm not trying to put any spin on it. I'm like, let's throw it 20 miles an hour and try and explode a, a wood pin. You know, Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts. He's good. Like 300. Yeah, yeah, I can't. Brew has touch. his own ball, doesn't he? Who? Brew. Oh, I'm sure he does. Yeah, I think Brew's really yeah. into Is it he? too. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so. sure he spins. I'm sure he's like, uh, <laughs> you know, Roy Munson. He's he's putting the spin on the ball. Earl Anthony. Kingpin. Kingpin reference. Kingpin, everyone. (laughs) Go watch it if you don't know what that is. You mentioned, you know, when we said, oh, yeah, Pat's from the past, and I'm the old guy in your 30s and everything like that. But you also talked about that you miss football. Do you think working with the worldwide leader helps keep you a little bit connected, that you can watch, you're still involved in it, and do you like still being involved in it? Oh, I love love being involved in it. I I think that that's the struggle that some guys go through when they're – look, you've done it your whole life, and – one day you're just not in it. So I think that's the struggle that a lot of guys have is trying to figure out, okay, what's the next step? Um, luckily for me, I think that the platform that you have here in New England helps you with the next step because of the fact that you win championships and your name is more relevant than, say, I was in another place that you never played in a playoff game. It's harder to have that you know, name recognition and the resume. So you know, I was blessed to be able to play here for as long as I had and you know afterwards i i love doing the espn stuff i as a football player when you're playing the game you know how hard it is and you know what it takes and all the things that go into it so as now when i work and i analyze things i understand that okay i'm not going to throw someone under the bus and say you know what some people say like oh this guy sucks and this guy's this and this guy's that because i know how hard it is and i know the time commitment and everyone out on the field is a professional and so I try to give them the respect, the players, the respect that they deserve and go over plays and talk about, you know, how things worked, how they didn't work and what do they need to do to be better and improve. Um, that's the thing I like about it. So similar to coach, I, I would love to coach, but I just know the commitment in coaching. And for me, having three kids and, you know, those guys have to move every few years and try and find a new spot every couple of years. I, I just think that that isn't what I picture myself doing. Now, so our hold on just a second. So our first podcast guest, Rodney Harrison, who, you know, didn't play with him, but, you know, Harrison said when he knew when he was commenting the biggest um, hurdle that he had to get past. And he talked about he was in the studio fourth and two at Indy when Bill decided to go for it. Yeah. And he said the producer got in his ear and said, you know, after the game, Rodney, you're going to have to talk about it. And he was petrified. He said, this is going to make or break me. He criticized Bill. Do you find it as you're now, you know, beginning your broadcast career, maybe with ESPN? I mean, in the preseason games, we're talking about matchups yep. and who's going to make the team. We're not killing anybody in the preseason games. Um, but as you're starting out at ESPN, do you figure, is somebody telling you or are you telling yourself, hey, you know what? If these guys aren't playing well, I got to, I got to say it because that's my credibility on the line. Yeah. You have, I mean, I think that you have to do that. And luckily for, 
guys that are expatriates. The Patriots are ten and two right now, right. so there's not a lot of things that you can critique. And uh, you know, obviously last last week with the Texans, that that's just a game that that's tough. You're on the road. You're the red zone. You're having issues in the red zone scoring, putting up points. So you just you state things that are very obvious. Obvious, and if you're a player or a coach, you see all those things too. You understand that these are the things that we need to work on. These are the things that we got hurt on. These are the things that didn't go right. So now when you're analyzing it, you're just stating the things that you see as an ex-player that, look, these are the three things that have hurt them. These are the three things they need to work on if they want to be where they want to be at the end of the year. You mentioned respect and you mentioned your career ending, you know, one day you're just not a player anymore. Yep. You had a press conference here. Yeah. And it was filled with teammates. They walked in from across the hallway into the media workroom. Pretty unusual, Rob. That doesn't happen. We here. don't you see know that. that. Yeah. What does that say about the respect you had as a player? Well, I look, I was never a vocal rah-rah type guy. I wasn't bringing guys up and making speeches. I just knew every day if I came in, and earn the respect of everyone around me and made plays. Cause that's the number one thing. I think as a football player, the you're the loudest you can be is if you go out there and you make plays. So I always just try to make as many plays as I, I could earn the respect of everyone around me. And when you do that, you, it gives you a little bit of leeway to where, look, let's Ninko is doing it this way. I want to be like, I want to do it this way. I don't, want to let those guys down and that's when you build those those teams and and the Patriots seem to have the best non-verbal leadership of any team in the NFL they're able to go out there and you have guys like Tom Brady and and Slater and and Hightower who they go out there they produce and you don't want to let those guys down so I always was just trying to be that guy for a young Hightower that's drafted just look I'm going to do my job I'm going to come in every day I'm going to try and do the best that I can and my retirement, it, that was that was me wanting to make that decision for myself and not wanting another person to make that decision for me, maybe a year, two, three. I don't know when they cut you or when they tell you you can't do it anymore, but I do know that over the years, watching players age, it's most like like most athletes, they're, they're not honest with themselves because they don't want to tell themselves that they're done. I always knew, look, I'm very honest with myself. Maybe I, I could have probably played another year, maybe two, maybe three. I don't know. But I knew that I didn't want another person to tell me when my career was over. And there's only three ways. I've said this many times. There's only three ways as a, as a football player or any athlete you go out. And it's your way, it's their way, or it's hurt. Mm. And I've seen way more guys go out hurt and be cut and traded and go out in a way that kind of leaves a, a taste in your mouth. And on the flip side of that, me walking away and having that retirement, and and I think it almost makes people assume that you are better than you really were because they don't see those final year or, or plays of a guy that's aging and looks old. Did you feel like from watching film that maybe it was starting to go the other way? Nope. I just, I just knew that I played 11 years and I – did not want to take any more of the punishment that I had taken. And we all know that, look, you play a long time in the NFL. It's not it's not great for you. So I, I think that, that my mentality of changing and when I was young and I would fly around and hit people and, like, just 
be kind of out of control started to change in like 2013 when I had my daughter. I'm like, yeah, maybe I need to like start not just being reckless with everything that I'm doing with my body because of, because they need me in 20 years. So I, it was a more so a combination of being around, being healthy and, and wanting to feel good because when you're playing football, it doesn't matter. You're going to feel bad all year. You don't feel good until the season's over. And then you have a couple of weeks, then you got to get back into training. And as you train, you don't feel good. You're working out hard, you're squatting, you're running. And every single year, there's a 22 year old kid who looks at you like, I'm going to, I'm taking that old man's job, you know? So I just, I figured it was a good time, especially after that comeback, Atlanta, um, 12 years, I think about 12 years. That's just like, sounds like bone on bone knee arthritis. <laughs> yeah, but, but the one thing is that Brian was asking you about, um, Rob, was respect. And the I respect, just, I yeah. Just, but I remember being in that room and like hiding behind a door because the media workroom was packed. Yeah. And there's Matty P right in the front row. I mean, these guys, you know, that they barely have time to walk to the cafeteria to get yep. a smoothie or something. That all those people came and were in there that room for you that day. Did that blow you it away? It means a lot. It meant a lot to me. Um, to have the the support of Matty P and all my teammates and Tom and uh, Bill, you know, sitting Indian style on the floor. It's like you you don't see them. And then, you know, the things that they say when you're when you're retiring, I didn't know he like I didn't know Bill liked me that much. You know, like <laughs> the guy, you know, he put me up there with some of the greatest. So I'm like, oh, geez, I guess I was pretty good. I, how come he didn't say that to me when I was negotiating a contract, you know? Um, but I. I, it was, it was, it was awesome. I, it, it was hard to, I wanted to just be very, um, clear and, and mention everybody that I really helped me because along the way, you don't just, especially a guy like myself who wasn't, you know, athletically a freak of nature. I, I had to work and have all the intangibles of technique and understanding the game and playing defense and having a motor, you know, all those things. You don't just get that on your own. Like there's mentors along the way that I had to make sure I went through the the very start of my career all the way through to to list out the guys that I thought were very 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 important to me um and teaching me the game to get me to where I was and and if it wasn't for all those people along the way I would never be even made it close to the career that I had so let's talk about the start of your career as far as patriots are concerned yep. okay um my words not yours by any stretch of the imagination you come here two teams down what's in your mind I mean is this it Backs against the wall. Backs against the wall. Backs what was your what was your mentality when you came here? Uh, I knew that I had an opportunity, and and in the NFL, there's these windows of opportunity. Sometimes they're open, and then sometimes that window's closed really quickly, depending on injury and personnel. It's all right place, right time. It's 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 similar to to the real world of just getting in your car and okay, like perfect, nice day, beautiful, and someone hits you in the back, and it's kind of messes up your day in the NFL similar you think uh, everything's going great for you and then you have a, a minor injury or something that sets you back and then the team teams just move on because there's so many guys out there that can replace replace you that they just move on and then you have to find another place or another window another opportunity I had an ACL injury got hurt had to move on when I when I got cut in New Orleans I was a long snapper which is ridiculous <laughs> I won't even get into it, but it was ridiculous for me because I knew I was a much better football player than that. But then that gets into politics and contracts and all the things that in New England, I feel like Bill does a great job of telling everybody 
I don't care who you are, where you're from, contract status. If you're here and you can help our team win, you'll be here. So when I heard that, I said, okay, I'm going to go out and I'm going to have a great camp and I'm going to be a special teams player and I'm going to long snap here too because if I can run down on kickoff and I can snap a football, that gives me more value and pass rush and cover. So playing DN and outside linebacker and run down on kickoff, playing punt team, snapping the football, I knew if I can do all those things, maybe they give me a, a look. And there was a Brian Brian Flores B float told a story one time. I didn't realize it, but I guess I was like the last guy. Like, do we keep him or do we cut him for the last cut? And they decided to keep me. And he said that they were like back and forth on you know, does he have any upside? Can he can he help us win? Is he gonna do anything here for us? And then they kept me and then. I guess I, I guess it worked out. I guess I did all right. So comparing your situation in New Orleans to here, did you not get opportunities there? Was the, was the feedback not the same? And, and then as a follow-up to that, when did you know here that you had a shot? Well, in New Orleans, I actually was the third DN. I was drafted in 2006. I, I went into camp. I had an awesome camp. I wish I could be as fast and as quick and as strong as I was my, my, my rookie year because I was – I was really, really, I felt at the time a, a very good rookie, and I had a lot of things ahead of me, and I had, had a lot of confidence. I might have I even been cocky, and then I tore my ACL, and that like brought me back down to reality and kind of like humbled me a lot. And then once you get hurt, like I said, people love you, and they talk to you, and, but once you get hurt, you walk down the hallway, they don't even look at you, they don't even acknowledge you because they move on. That's the NFL. They move on from you. They, they got to win football games. So when you're young, you're kind of like a little bit naive to that. And you, you kind of take things in a personal way. And I might have taken the personal like, oh, OK, now that I'm hurt, now I'm nothing, you know, so that can affect you. And, and I knew I, I told myself right then, like, hey, I'm going to get back. I'm going to be I'm going to be playing football again. But the opportunity wasn't there. The next year they had drafted people and they had paid ridiculous contracts to their DNs, like huge money. So I knew that they're not going to let a young guy take a job of a guy that's making 70 million. Like it's just not going to happen, you know, especially in, in different organizations, there's a little bit of politics in that. So um, they cut me kind of cut me a bad way. They cut me at a game, which wasn't fun. A mm. Thursday game. Um, I traveled with the team. They said, Hey, we need you to practice really. Uh, we really need you. So, cause I had hurt my other knee, I had a little MCL sprain, which wasn't, I mean, it took me out for a couple of weeks, but that was another thing. You come back from an ACL, then they label you, oh, he's injury prone, which is ridiculous. Cause if a 300 pound man runs in you full speed, anyone's going to hurt their D. Um, so then they, I traveled to Indianapolis. They cut me there at breakfast, which I thought was really bad move. And then I got claimed. I went to the Dolphins. That didn't work out because they were really bad. And they moved me to inside linebacker. I hated inside linebacker. wasn't I was a pass rusher. I was an edge guy. Um, then I went back to New Orleans, and they had Bobby McRae and, and Will Smith and Charles Grant. They had like 200, $175 million in three guys. There's no way I'm taking any of those reps away from those guys. So they moved me to long snapper, and I was like, all right, you're going to move me to long snapper. I guess that's what I'm going to do. And then they cut me the first day of training camp. They, they, I went in the report and then they cut me the day of training camp. So I said to Sean Payton, why, how come you guys didn't do this like two weeks ago? It might've helped me. 
get onto another team. And he was like, well, at the time we didn't think that that was. So then that gave me a little like chip on my shoulder too. I wanted to, and Oh nine, I actually had a knee injury that game, the fourth and two game that you talked about in Indianapolis was in Oh nine. Yep. I, um, Brandon Merriweather kamikaze me and, and tore my MCL again. So I've had like three MCL tears in the same knee. Um, and the next week was, it was jets and then new Orleans and that was the only game from injury I ever missed was that Jets game because I had the MCL tear. And then I said, I don't care what I got to do. We're going down to New Orleans. That was when we went down there and got, got drilled. drilled. But I said, I don't care. I'm running down a kickoff. I'll make it first tackle. And I did. A first kickoff, I made the tackle, and they had Troy Evans on that team. And it was fun because there was a lot of guys on the team that knew me. And uh, I was very motivated to play in that game. And then I, every time I played them, I was very motivated. I have some stories about that too. So um, you mentioned B-Flow and kind of being on the uh, periphery here. Am I going to make it? Am I not going to make it? Mm-hmm. Like, Are you going to be the 53rd guy or are you going to be the 54th guy? What is it that you think that they saw? And did, was that ever communicated to you, Rob, when you made it? Which when you make it after being cut three times, you haven't made it. Like, no, not at you're, all. You're renting space for a little bit. Yeah. Um, but did you get a sense from them what they saw in you or what they might have liked or or did they give you a sense of here's what a role might be for you? Well, I had some big fans in, in Scott O'Brien. Scotty O was my I think my biggest fan. I don't know. He probably they, they never tell you they really liked you, but another guy who says a lot. Yeah, right. So I I think that I might have won him over with the ability to snap and then my pass rushing ability. I, I you know, I I don't like to toot my own horn, but I was very good at one-on-ones and, and going against the best guys. And I always wanted to go against the best guys because if you beat the best guys, then they have to give you the respect of, okay, he's not just beating a third-string guy. That's another thing when I watch a, like a, a preseason game. I'm like, okay, guy had three sacks against a guy that's never going to play. I want to see him against Trent Brown or somebody that's really good. Um, so that's the one thing I always thought that helped me was – Special teams, you got to play. B Flow was the assistant special teams coordinator. So me and him, I'd go in every day in the office. We'd sit down. It was him and and um, Pat Graham, which now he's the DC in Miami. He's, yep. the, he's the head coach. Um, B Flow's the head coach. So I'd be in that office, little tiny office in the front of the building, and we'd just go over everything. And I'd, you know, and those guys, I'm, I have a great relationship with them. I talk to them all the time. Do you think, by the way, just to shift the gears here for a second? As you're sitting in the office with Brian Flores at that point in time, assistant special teams coach, did you see something to him that said, well, this guy's going to be a head coach? Uh, he's got a lot of passion for you – know, he's, he's very passionate. He's very knowledgeable, and he commands a room. And I think those are the things that you need as a head coach. You have to have a presence to be able to command the, the attention and the respect of everybody in the room. I've seen a lot of, lot of coaches that they can be great at coaching and, and the X's and O's, but when you stand up in front of a group of men, you got to be able to grab their attention. You got to be able to call people out and B flow has that presence. So it wasn't, it's not shocking that he is a head coach. I think the, I think Miami's going to be a tough team because you see him now, this season was a character building season. They didn't care. Like they do care, but they, all they want to do is take out the, the bad, the bad the seeds, guys that don't care. The guys that don't care. Take out the guys that don't care, and the guys that we that have that base, the good foundation of hard work and and working the way we want to work. 
that's going to be our foundation. We'll bring guys in. It'll be contagious to learn from those guys. And then, then you build a team that way. You don't try and take other pieces that maybe don't have the same mentality as your, your head coach and try to win that way. That's not, that's not the right way. I just hate when our assistant coaches go to teams in the division. You know? I mean, that's <laughs> it's a hey, look and it's, it's, that's just part of the game. When you are successful, like the Patriots, your assistants become very valuable. You know, we've seen Josh McDaniels and all the opportunities he's had. He was almost a head guy, and, you know, that's a crazy subject. But <laughs> now he's going to have others, other opportunities. And when, it, when you work for the Patriots, you have more opportunities because people want to win. They don't want to lose. They want to be winners. You want to have success. Other organizations are desperate. That's why you see other – guys that played here go and they make a lot of money and uh you know other assistants and things they go and they they have they might not have the success but there's a lot of ins and outs to an organization than just coaching like there's higher ups that that people don't understand and it's different in other places than it is here and you are in a different industry <clears throat> still but you are a byproduct of that. Yep. I mean, Rob Nikovich for the Cincinnati Bengals, no disrespect, yeah. is probably not working at ESPN. No. Rob nope. Nikovich playing for the New England Patriots for as many years and Super Bowl titles and everything like that, you're attractive to ESPN. You mentioned the Jets early on. And so um, as you get a little bit of solid footing here and people then can see what you uh, did, was, it, was there a time, by the way, after doing teams and after running up and down in kickoffs where – that you, you think that something clicked either in your head or that you convinced the coaches that, you know what, I can play on defense and I should play on defense. And I'm a three down guy on defense. You're not just going to get me in and out yep. in sub situations and stuff like that. Does that something that you remember when that might've happened, Rob? Yeah, we were in Denver. So we were playing in Denver. They had those terrible outfits on. If you remember those like yep. bumblebee weird yep. looking throwbacks. That was Josh's game. <laughs> yes. Josh yes. also yes. kicked your tail. Yes. Josh is running up and down. the. 09 was a tough year. They were Correct. searching for the next <laughs> right. wave and think about 09. They were searching for the next wave. They got the next wave like of young guys, you know, you had like around that same time, McCordy, Julian, you know, slate, like, me, Hightower a couple years later, Chandler. I mean, you, you had Gronk. a new, Gronk. Next they all year. came in. Yeah. Um, so you get a new wave coming, and they were they were trying to figure out that next that old Patriot to new Patriot right. um, roster, so to speak, because they were aged and old. And then 08, they had their little hiccup. They didn't win the division. Then 09 started. You know, we had some tough games, but we still were able to put it together um, and win the division. So. When I look back on that particular game, Matty P said, you're going to have one play, make the best of it. And I had a sack. <laughs> <laughs> so then I had two plays in that game. One was a, a sack on my old teammate, Kyle Horton. Um, it was a Fox call, so it was a double-edge pressure. They pulled the center, which is never a smart idea on a pass play. Never pull an interior guy to block an edge guy ever. It's the dumbest thing. Um, so I beat the center and, and got a sack. And then the, the second play – um, it was like a inside blitz. I came inside and, and the quarterback pumped me. Kyle pumped once and then he threw it and I put my hand up once and then I put my hand up again and timed it up and batted the ball straight up in the air. So that was my two plays. It was like a decent. That'll earn you more. Right. That'll earn you more. So that so that gave me a little bit more. And then 09, I, I played a little bit. I had some roles and think of it as like one of those those paper plates with the little portions on it. They give you like the big section and then the little section for like your peas. So <laughs> they give you a scoop of peas 
And then if you can, can digest that and you're really, you're doing well with that, then they give you the other little section of maybe corn. And then if you can digest that, then they give you a big plate. And then nobody can digest corn. Right. That, <laughs> no, it goes right through. No, it digests. Trust me, it digests. It just does. It might right. not. It's, it's still solid. Tremendous way to articulate that. And so then when you fast forward, and I mentioned the Jets. See, I'm the idiot that goes through the postgame stuff every single game. Yeah. And I remember, Bill, after you sacked Sanchez in overtime here at home. Oh, yeah, that was fun, yeah. And he just looked at you and went or tried to find you in the locker room afterward. Oh, and just goes, Jet Killer, yeah. Jet Killer. He, Do you like that? He Did gave, you like it? He gave Amendola the Jack Killer too on one of those games. Uh, no, that was a fun game. I, I wish I had a few. I had, had a some good, good success against. The I Jets. had a good run of success against New York. I wish my last year I had some more, but uh, you know we had changed the defense a lot in my last couple of years, so it was more of uh, inside pressure, inside linebackers getting rushing and and the ends dropping out and outside linebackers dropping. So. The, my most productive years were just as a strictly 4-3 end when we had Chandler, and I was the left end, he was the right end. We did a lot more movement stuff, a lot of just up the field, like stuff that I did in college, which was like bread and butter. I didn't mind dropping in coverage. Dropping in coverage is it's okay, but every time one every time you drop back, it's one less chance to get to the quarterback. Right. So right. Do you um so when you get your number here, and I don't know how they and nor necessarily do I care about how they hand out numbers, but you all of a sudden wear number fifty. You know, and yep. 50 is a very special number around here in this era. Um, did that mean anything to you? Did you almost resent it a little bit? Because, you know, hey, look, Rabe's great player and everything like that. But I'm my own guy. And then everybody sees this number 50. He's an outside linebacker, rush guy, can do a lot of other things. Did similar, feel- similar looking yeah. guy. Did, <laughs> did you feel like that comparison that people were just making that as a maybe a lazy way because you both wore the same number? Well, I, I just tried to, you know, like the, the media and there's like a hype train that, that pumps guys up falsely that makes them better than they really are. And then there's the hype train that brings them down and, and says that they're not, they are not, they shouldn't even be associated with a guy like Vrabel or, or somebody of that caliber. So for me, I saw the number, I was wearing 45 in the preseason. I didn't, I didn't care. I just wanted to play, make the team. They could have kept me in 45 for all I care. I'd, I'd have played with it my whole career at 45. Um, when they gave me the number, I said, all right, well, I got some big shoes to fill. I, I I had no expectations of being anywhere close to him. I would have liked to had two more sacks and, and beat him for all overall sacks. But, uh, you know, like there, you can't compare. I try to say like he was a lot taller, longer arms. I was shorter, maybe a little bit more edgy as far as like bending the bendy. You know, he had he had that long arm, very smart player. Um, you know, for me, we're like kind of different, but at the same time, a lot of production. So I was honored to be able to, at the end of my career, say that I was able to play, and sure, play well did. enough to be compared or to be, um, in the same sentence of a guy like that, who had done so many great things. Um, we both played the same amount of years here. Um, so to have the, the comparison is very honorable, so now there's another kid with that number, and I, uh, I say, well, got some, got another big shoes to fill. No so question about it. Go no set the, you got to set the edge, bud. Yep. <laughs> yep. Hey, you mentioned covering running backs, right? Yes. So last in last week's game, Houston really utilized their running backs quite a bit in the passing game to try to take advantage of some matchups. For you, you know that that's a difficult task. Yep. 
how how do you guys, how do you, Hightower, how do you go into a game knowing I'm not as fast as that guy and I'm going to be assigned to cover him? How do you do that? Leverage. You got to know where your leverage is at. So say you have inside leverage, don't get beat inside. So you have to just make sure you're disciplined in your leverage and you got to be physical. That's the one thing. If you're bigger and you don't have the quickness, you got to get your hands on them and, and you got to try and get them, get your hands on the guy to where you're not whiffing and miss him. Cause if you miss him, then you're really screwed because he's <laughs> going to have you beat by a lot. So, you know, when you're going against, I remember going against some really McCoy where he's, they're playing him. I've covered McCoy, Reggie Bush. Like I remember going Oof. against Reggie Bush one-on-one and I'm, it's funny because I, me and Reggie were drafted together. So we're friends and I know Reggie and uh, we're playing here at home. He's with Miami and uh, he's really wide. So outside the tackle box, you read the the split in the stance of a, of a running back to know if he's tight or inside the tackle, like better chance he's going inside. If he's really wide, he's probably going out and route. So I like kind of adjusted my feet and I looked at him and he looked at me and he goes, are you covering me? I said, <laughs> yeah, buddy, I got you. So he ran a wheel route and I was just running as fast as I could. And I stuck with him. The quarterback, I think threw it the other way, but I was like, geez, he had a step on me. I mean, in, even in green Bay, I think we played in green Bay a few years ago, three years, four years ago. I don't know. 14, 14. We played in green Bay. And uh, was that 14? Yeah, that was 14. They ran a wheel route on me and I was right on them. Good coverage. But, when you're playing a good quarterback, sometimes they just can put the ball where you can't cover it. And the ball went like I put my, had my hand up like I was saying, you know, I was under oath uh, and, and saying I, you know, solemnly swear to tell the truth and hold truth. Uh, had my hand up like that and the ball went in between my hand and my helmet and went right in the guy's hands. It was like crazy. I'm like, how would the ball get there? You know, it was like right in between my helmet and my hand up. So it was pretty intense when you play a, a good quarterback. So they're playing a good quarterback come Sunday tomorrow. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a good game. I broke down some plays. You know, last year I think it's gonna be different because last year they had the ball almost forty four minutes. The Patriots had the ball forty forty three fifty nine time of possession. They ran for one hundred forty seven yards, um, and Julian was their go to guy. So if I'm the if I'm the Chiefs, guess what? You can't. You're not running for one hundred forty seven and we're going to do something. You got to take, with, Julian, take out Julian out and let somebody else make the plays. You mentioned, um, you know, so trying to cover the wheel route. And I said it the last time you played in Green Bay was 14. And I remember that because you guys went to San Diego yes. that night after yes, the game. Yes, we did. Yep. And you spent the week in Southern California. Not the first time that you guys did that. Yep. What was that week like for you guys from a bonding standpoint? And did you think it was all, do you think it was worthwhile having to do that besides the wear and tear of flying back and forth and everything like that? Yeah, it, it's fun to. I've done that a couple times. You do it in training camp. Sometimes you go somewhere else and you stay at a hotel and helps you guys come together and bond a little bit. You have a few days off to where you can just go to dinner and, and you do your film study together. And I think we practiced, I can't remember what the college we practiced at, but the, the, it was in like a bowl and the field was like a soup bowl. So we couldn't practice. We had to practice on like one side of the field cause it was so nasty and wet. Um, but it's it's always fun to do that. You remember those trips and, and the guys and the, their teammates and the friendships that you have. So I think that that's always a great thing. The 49ers did that this week. So they're playing in New Orleans. Correct. So they, they were in Florida, I do believe, um, and they stayed in Florida. So they didn't have to fly all the way back because they you know 
but where did they play recently? They played here. They played somewhere. No, they, they played the Ravens. Ba- they were yeah. in Baltimore. They were in Baltimore. They so went they to, to stay east. Yes, so they stayed east. They were in Baltimore. Went down to Florida. Practiced all week. So I mean, that's it's a it's a fun time. Yeah, good. Speaking of what a week is like, we had the chance to play in three Super Bowls. Yeah. What's Super Bowl week like? It's pretty stressful. I'm not going to lie. You, you think about that extra time is is you, you have a lot of time to think about everything that's going to happen in the game and. You at in that specific specific game, you have a full season of plays. So how many? What do you look at? Like what games? The last two games? You look at early in the year? Are they going to go back to something that they wanted to do early? So you know, for me, is the bye week stressful, or the, is it the bye week? Are both weeks stressful? I think I think the the bye week isn't as stressful as the Super Bowl okay. because that Super Bowl game it is. Be. It's like that's the game that. Every single play is going to matter, and every single play could potentially be the play that affects the outcome of the game of winning and losing a Super Bowl, which is very, very, very important. And every single kid, when you were 10 years old watching the Super Bowl, your dreams and aspirations were, one day I'm going to play in the Super Bowl. So there's a lot of stress going into that to play well. And you either play well, there's winning and losing performances. That's cut and dry. You don't play okay. You either win or you lose. And so that was your third year here with the Patriots where you're playing the Giants. Yep. You'd lost to the Giants in the regular season. The Giants looked good in the regular season, yet they just didn't really have a good record, and it was still sort of a surprise that they make it to the Super Bowl. Um, what was your impressions of that team, and do you look back as somebody who had won, has now won two after that? Do you think that that one you let the, and I don't mean you personally I'm talking about you the team. Did that one get did that slip away from you guys? Well, I mean, I'm I'm 2 and 1 and I could have easily been 0 and 3 or 3 and 0. Or 3 and 0. That's the fine line, That's the isn't fine it? line. That's the, what I said about one play. Right, so right. <laughs> in those games, it all comes down to one play and not my last one. I feel like my last one was a bunch of plays, but if you're on the flip side, you're the Falcons. Or the strip sack. That's one play. So it all comes down high tower strip sack. What if um, they what if this or what if two they, point conversion? Or the sack, you or, know, yeah. to take him out of field goal range yeah. so after the Julio catch. It's all that's the crazy part about Super Bowls. Our first game, I had a lot of respect for New York, and I still do have a lot of respect for that team. They ran the ball very tough. Bradshaw and, and Jacobs were or Jacob were like really, really a one two punch that was really hard to stop. They were very strong, very very motivated, and then you got to give it to Eli that the throw that the throws that he made, the confidence. You sometimes you just got to tip your hat to those guys, and I'm I'm very very blessed to say that I have two Super Bowl rings and I've won. If I never had one, there's guys on that team in '09 that weren't a part of the, the future with the Patriots. I feel terrible that that some of those guys don't have a Super Bowl ring, like. Logan Mankins, you know, a guy like that. Who One of the all-time great Patriots. All-time great Patriot that doesn't have a Super Bowl ring, people think or assume. Because he was on the 07 team. on the 07 team. Yep. And it's tough for those guys or a Wes Welker who, sure. you know. Another great Patriot. Great Patriot that yep. has played in three and lost three. So, you know, you talked about Eli, okay? You have a little bit of an interesting perspective on this because in that Super Bowl, Manning to Manningham. One yeah. of the all-time great catches, yep. okay, Crazy. against Seattle, okay, the curse catch, nuts. And at what point in time are you sitting there scratching your head, going, "Jesus Christ, again!" And, and then, then the Julio even, Jones and catch. then in Atlanta, the Julio catch. 
Oh, those are three of the greatest catches. As the league's going through the 100 years, you're talking about three of the greatest catches ever happened. And you, you must be sitting there, like, pulling whatever Dr. DeStefan, Dr. Leonard's <laughs> hair is out of your head, going, are you kidding me? Are you effing kidding me? I, like, uh, they can't be doing this again. So the first game, I remember looking at the score and uh, thinking to myself, I think, I think we're going to do this. I think we got it. And that was probably, like, the worst feeling when you lose that game and at the end without those catches, you look at the clock, you look at how much time you have, you know how hard it is to score, but you have Tom, you have the offense. And uh, Bill had a great speech before the, the in Arizona. He had a great speech against the, the Seahawks in the Seattle game. And I, I think it resonated great with, with myself because I played in a, the previous Super Bowl. And he said, if you at any point in this game, you start thinking about, the end of the game or the outcome of the game. I want you to go right back to the play that you're about to play or the moment that you're in and focus on that and don't think about the end of the game. And I remember thinking to myself, well, that makes a lot of sense because of the fact that I had done that in the previous Super Bowl. I looked at the score and I looked at the time and I said, I think we got it. I think this, we're going to make it. I think we're, we have enough. And then we lost. So isn't that such a great lesson, Rob? I remember reading something very recently where you recounted that to somebody. Yeah. What a great lesson, certainly in professional sports, but in life. Yeah. Like, yep. be in the moment. Be in the moment. Don't think anywhere beyond where you're at and what you're supposed to do and and execute and do your job. And I remember before the Seattle game saying to myself, I'm going to have a great game. I'm going to make plays. I'm going to make tackles. I'm going to get to the quarterback. I'm going to do everything I need to do. And at the end of the game, I'm not going to have anything left. Hopefully we get the win. I'm not going to look I'm not going to look at this game. I'm not going to look at the clock. I'm not going to look at the score. And when I had the 3rd and 7 sack, mm-hmm. I remember just telling myself, "Oh, I didn't even celebrate. I hit Russell Wilson. I hit Russell Wilson. I he ducked. So I picked mm-hmm. my, as I hit him, I put my hands like this cuz I didn't want him to like touch his face mask or anything cuz I knew how important it would be. So as I hit him, He's he folded he he bent down forward to like avoid me and as I hit him I put my hands like this as I'm going to the ground to not get any type of penalty so that could affect this drive because I knew that we had to get the ball back at that point so once I hit the ground I just popped up and ran off because I just wanted them to punt like just punt the ball get us the ball let's get back and score and that was my whole thought process and even a couple tackles there uh, like Lynch broke through and. He was going to score, and I dove, and I, I tried to just – I hit his heel, and he, he fell on, like, the five. And I was like, thank you! Because <laughs> like if, if I had missed, he'd have scored. Absolutely. So it's like there's all these little plays. Speaking that, of Lynch and scoring, second and goal from the one, are you shocked they don't give him the ball? Yeah, I, I was. I, 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 that was another moment. I looked at the, the clock winding down. I'm like, are we going to call a timeout? What are we doing? Like, we need to save some time for the offense. And then we didn't, and I was on the left side. They were in gun. I, the ball went right over my head. I looked, turned around. I saw the whole thing. It was right in front of me, and I was like, I, the instant I saw Malcolm, I knew he caught it, and I knew the game was over. So I just put my hands up in the air. I was like, I can't believe this. By the way, you know Hightower drilled him right after the play. Do you remember that? Oh yeah, yeah. Like I yeah. when you, I, I was mean, nervous that they maybe the ball came out. Right. Or something, like you know? I mean. People in New England have looked at that play like the Zapruder film, yeah. you know, from every, every different angle that we had. 
once he catches the ball and he's yeah, got he it, gets rocked. He gets popped by Hightower. And I mean, what naturally goes to your head is, oh my God, what if, you know? Right. That's a crazy, that's one of the, that's. Is that the craziest, the craziest play? craziest that- play in the history of football, I think, because of the fact. I have a, I have a few theories on this, but. Uh, Go ahead. Well, offensive coaches love their quarterbacks. And if they hand the ball off to Marshawn Lynch, he's the MVP. If Russell Wilson throws the ball in, he's the MVP. So what do OCs want? They want their quarterbacks to be the MVPs. They don't want running backs to be your MVPs. Why would you drop back and pass in field goal position in the Super Bowl when you're up a lot for the Falcons? Because you want your quarterback to be the Super Bowl MVP. So if he drops back and he throws a bomb and it's a touchdown, he's 100% the MVP. Wait a minute. You really think that the coaches in that moment are thinking about who the MVP is? I think in that moment the coaches love to have the limelight of you guys had the coconuts to throw it and score on the Patriots <laughs> in the Super Bowl when the non-sexy thing is to run the football and just set your field goal team up for an easy chip shot. Because at is, the end of the day, it's it's not a it's a like it's in their head is I just want to throw the football. That's throwing the ball is sexy. Running the football is not. I think some of these offensive coordinators get caught up in I need to put up a lot of yardage and score touchdowns and have my quarterback be the guy. Not let's go in heavy personnel and run the football. Because I think if he should if. If if he had a crystal ball, he'd have just ran the football and said, "I don't care about sexy. I just want to. I don't care about MVPs." But he got a head coaching job, so right. I mean, and, and they're thinking about their next step too. So if your quarterback's the MVP, that goes on your resume. And again, I'm a I'm an offensive coordinator. I have two Super Bowl MVP. Da, 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 da. That's that's all resume stuff against the Falcons, and it's an easy easy second guess. But against the Falcons, after the Julio catch, run the ball three times, kick a field goal. That's it. That's all you have to do. That's all you got to do. But indoors with a guy who indoors. had the best was maybe the best kicker in the league that season. Right. You could kind of so first score, okay. They're you know they're excited. Second score, okay. They're pumped. Third score, they're up. Maybe a little cockiness. Maybe a little yeah. I can't wait for the after party. We I can't believe we did it. Maybe that. Maybe looking beyond the actual like what Moment. Bill said. Yeah. Maybe maybe looking beyond the next play. They were looking at the end of the game and they were looking at thinking about what the ring's going to look like and what the t-shirts are going to be and who's the MVP and where's the after party and where are we going? Right. So you say what Bill says and you talk about being in the moment 21 to three down at halftime um, is not a situation or a place that you guys were accustomed to do. Nope. Did he say anything profound at halftime of that game or was there anything that needed to be said that was profound there? I mean, Look, when you're in the Super Bowl, you understand that you have to be at your best. And we all knew that we were not at our best. We didn't play to the standard that we all knew that we could play to. Um, So it was going to take everybody, and it's going to be one play at a time. And that's what you have to have. That's the mentality. It's going to take every single one of us, and it's going to be one play at a time. And... Like the only the play that I hate in that Super Bowl was the like there was a bunch play in the low red and the running back was opposite me so he was on the other side of the quarterback and he went behind motion like behind to the flat and I got caught because I was standing there high had him in coverage but we know like he alert me I looked at him I said okay 
but there was a point guy. There was a bunch, and Chung was next to me. And if I could do it all over again, I'd just get outside the bunch. But I said, "Hey, can can I get here?" And he and I always let him get where he needs to be to cover man to man. So I stayed inside, and I didn't usually in that pos- position. You got to take one step up to clear the bunch. But I knew how fast that guy was, so I just tried to turn and run. And I got a little pick, and that's all it needed because those guys were super fast. That was Coleman, yeah. Yeah, so fast. Like, he's ridiculous. I'm, I'm running like a 4.9. <laughs> he's and that, running like a 4.3. And that made it 28-3. to three. Yeah. But one of the things Bill has said about that game is you lost control of the score, but you never he never felt like you lost control of the game. Did you guys feel that way when it's you're down 25 points? We look as a group, we knew that it was an embarrassing moment. And I think as an athlete, you never want to be embarrassed. So we wanted to put forth the best effort possible for the next half of football. Anything can be done from the first quarter to second quarter that that anything that's done can be reversed if you have the similar amount of time. So we knew that if we were able to put together some stops, turnover, offense, clicks, score, get the ball back, score, that you can you can come back and, and get back in the game. But you had to make sure that you – the margin of error was zero. Razor. There was no margin for error. Correct. So we had already made the errors early in the game, so we knew that Can't afford to do from it here on out, we have to play a perfect game. And we, all the mistakes that we made are already done. Like, you, you don't have a mistake. You can't or else it's over. So we knew that, and I think that that's what set us – set us up to be just clicking and it was it was like surreal because me and chris were standing there and i remember when it was 23 i'm like can you believe this shit like we're in the super bowl and it looks like this like this is embarrassing man and and then we started to come back and then when we got the ball in overtime it was almost like we knew fate accompli we knew fate accompli like we knew it wasn't gonna have cooked they were so done right so done how about that That it can turn that fast? It's crazy. And that's that the last can... game I ever played in, which is nuts, too. Right. So that's, that'll bring me to my last question here. And this is not, maybe not the most fair question, but it's like choosing between your kids. <laughs> which kid do you love the most? Okay. Which you talked, you said surreal just a second ago. Yeah. Down 28 to three, and yet you're holding the trophy at the end of the game. It's crazy. Team on the two yard line, second down, ready to go in, and your guy, you guys turn it over. Which was the most satisfying championship of your career? First one, hundred percent. Because it's the first one. Yeah, but that and the weight and the you got to think that there was a ten-year span. Oh my of god! Ten, ye- ten years of Patriots won another but, championship. But if you're the player, <laughs> the horror. If you're the player, you never were just good enough. Oh, I know, I got it. But <laughs> imagine being—they're not—they're not the the oh four Patriots. They're good, but they're like they always come up short. They're not they're not that good. They're not as good as that generation. So it was like a book of the the Patriot Dynasty. All these chapters. You got your O one chapter. You got O three. You got O four, and they can't get over the hump. And as a player. That means something to Rob Ninkovich because Rob Ninkovich had nothing to do with the 01 championship. Or he had nothing to do with the 04 championship. I didn't have a championship. Right. So everyone but, assumes that you're a New England Patriot, you're a champion, so but you've you're got never a, house a championship. Full of rings. Exactly. So you never, so they assume like, oh, you're a Patriot. Like, oh, yeah. But so that's why I said 
oh, the 2012 losing that was tough because that was my first one. You're so close. So imagine going 09, 10, 11, 12, lose, AFC championship close, AFC champion close, get there. You got to win because if you lose that game, you don't know that team, like teams change every year. But at the time, Tom was older. Now he's old or <laughs> older. But you, you, you don't know. The whole thing could be blown apart. Like, you know how hard it is to get to that game. You know that every single year, nothing is given to you, to you that you're going to make it that far, that you're going to win, get into the Super Bowl. So for me to win against Seattle in that fashion and everything that you put into it and the year and the way things had to go down, like, I just, I always start, I'm like crying. I was crying. I was like, I can't believe it. Like, and then my career, I thought about like my career and like being drafted, getting hurt, all the BS I had to go through early in my career. And then to be a Super Bowl champion for the rest of your life. That's why some of these guys that don't have them, I feel bad for them because of the fact that people don't care about your, no, people don't remember my contracts. People don't remember anybody's contracts. Like they don't care about money. It's, are you, did you have anything in your career that lasts forever. And if you have Super Bowl championships, you're forever in a group of people that are champions. They did something that was very special and not a lot of people say they can do it. Not once, twice. These Some of these guys, three, Tom, six. Like, what the heck? It's crazy. My, my final question, because those two Super Bowls, from a roller coaster of emotion standpoint, have to be right up at the top of the list. Yep. You mentioned that you cried. I guess just describe the emotions because, you know, you win that second one in overtime and the sideline just explodes onto the field. And it's just an insane moment, even as a fan. So I want to know what that's like for you exploding off the sideline. I, look, it's hard for me to get too crazy. Like, I know that sounds weird, but I never, ever have been like insanely over dramatic. Like, you don't see me doing like snow angels in the confetti or you know like tackling people like i was just i was happy that we were able to win the game and there was a little maybe a little part of me that knew or thought that that might be my last game so i had kind of a mixed emotions on that one i was i was like happy that i was able to win that game i, I was very excited i ran i jumped off with everybody else but then there was a part of me that in the back of my mind was like, well, maybe this isn't, maybe this is your last football game. Our guest is Rob Ninkovich from the Patriots from the past podcast. Thank you, Rob, for joining us fans out there. Be sure to check out Rob Ninkovich on ESPN on NFL live during the week. Rob, thanks for joining us. Thanks sure. guys. Yep. Happy to be here. Thanks Rob. Thank you for downloading this podcast. Subscribe on Apple, Google play and everywhere else you listen. Like the show, please rate and review us. Listener comments and ratings help keep us high in the podcast rankings so new listeners can find us. Be sure to check Patriots.com for more news and more podcasts.